This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Choosing a green or environmentally friendly product is becoming a norm in our everyday lives. But it's also becoming more of a focus in our death. Nikhila, your co-host today, as always, joining you from ABC Shepparton. Nick, our impact on the environment is now in a lot of people's minds when they think about their final moments and how they would like to be buried. It is, and it should be as well. I think for a while now I've been trying to personally uh, make uh, decisions around my consumption that are going to have a positive impact environmentally or at least lessen the impact that I'm having this will be the last decision I ever get to make. I, I would love it to be a green one. That's a personal opinion for me, but I think that is something that would give me uh, a lot of peace uh, as I, you know, exit life. When we talk about our environmental footprint, this is your last footprint, isn't it? This is the last step. So we're seeing shifts in, and it's quite the norm. If you look up any sort of average suburban, uh, small country town, funeral home, many of them now have a natural burial option. And the natural burial is using trying to use less chemicals. So looking at the physical casket that you're buried in so that it doesn't have any chemicals in it and that it breaks down, looking at the embalming process to not use any chemicals, maybe even a removal of things like headstones and being bar- buried in a more natural environment that sort of looks like a natural environment, albeit within the confines of a cemetery. So looking at it more naturally, but then it's also taking one step further, isn't it? There is. There's also the option of human composting, which does right away with the idea of even a grave or certainly any kind of coffin. It takes your body and it allows nature to take its course and essentially turn you into mulch. Human composting, when you say those words together, it feels and sounds confronting. But when you look at the other two options, when you look at burial, when you look at cremation, cremation, if you hadn't heard of it and then someone brought it in as a new option, it would sound confronting as well. It's just we're very used to the idea of cremation. But essentially incinerating someone to ashes, that's pretty confronting. Human composting is. is a little softer. A little softer, and it's a funny one too, because of course, way before there was a funeral industry, you know, when we had far more kind of, I guess, natural forms of burial, you would go without embalming. You would maybe go in a plain wooden coffin or maybe just be popped in the ground. This is almost a return to how it used to be before we changed up the funeral industry. So human composting is now legal in six states in America. We Mm -hmm. know that we have a huge new cemetery being built out in the western part of Melbourne. They are discussing, nothing is official by any stretch of the imagination, but they are already discussing the idea of human composting there. And there are people in Melbourne, in Victoria, that are interested, that are starting to ask questions around human composting. So what do you think? Is this something that you consider? Maybe that's a step too far, but you're thinking about a green burial, a natural burial. Or maybe you would like to be turned into compost. One three hundred triple two seven seven four. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt with you in Melbourne. Nick Healy joining you from ABC Shepparton. We're talking about green burials and human composting. There's been a bit of a wave 
there's a bit of a trend that's happening around the globe. I think it's, it's probably already being done in Sweden. No doubt somewhere like the Netherlands, <laughs> Nick, it's already happening. Some Scandi country is way ahead of us on this, absolutely. But it's now legal in six states in America. New York was the latest to legalise human composting. Kerry Paul is a reporter for The Guardian. She's based in San Francisco. Kerry, welcome to the Conversation Hour. You've been covering human composting as a journalist for some time now. How popular is it becoming? Hi, yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I have been covering human composting for a bit now. It's definitely surged in popularity. Obviously, we are seeing a grassroots effort to legalize it across the U.S. Um, and I think a lot of that's being fueled by Gen Z, by a lot of younger people who are feeling a little bit more comfortable talking about death and, and what type of options they want after death. And Kerry, is there a pushback against it? I'm quite curious. You're saying Gen Z seem very intrigued in it, but are we seeing, I guess, a reaction to it? People who are finding it a, a difficult conversation to have? I think in terms of industry groups, um, the Catholic Church is, is not a fan of human composting. That, I would say, is the most formal um, opposition we're seeing to it. Um, I think in general, especially as somebody who's been writing about this for a bit, there seems to be an initial kind of backlash to it when I hear about it or when people talk about it. Um, they don't really want to talk about death or talk about what happens to our bodies after death. Um, so a lot of people are, are a little freaked out by it initially, but I think... Um, the pushback isn't too strong in terms of that. I think people kind of come around to wanting to open these conversations more and more. Kerry, as you said, you've been writing about it for a while, but when did you first encounter it? Yeah, I, I think I first heard about this um, a year or two ago when it started to be legalized in more and more states in the U.S. I wrote my latest article about um, the human composting startup space just because I noticed that the more I write about it, the more I get kind of pitches and PR pitches from companies that are popping up to fit this demand for green death options. So I think it's kind of an interesting new startup space that I'm, I'm seeing grow as a tech reporter that kind of intrigued me. There's lots of people texting in on this already. One that says, I'm upright for a burial in a biodegradable bag, thinking of composting, what happens with viruses, etc." says Glenda, who's in Warrnambool. And another that says, my husband is adamant that he wants to be buried in our back garden. I agree, it should be an option. That's from Ray. And Kerry, when we think about what makes us uncomfortable, and this is something that you just mentioned there, I'm wondering whether you feel that what makes people uncomfortable is simply the idea of talking about death or if it's the process of human composting? Yeah, I think um, it's the process of human composting that seems maybe strange to people. But as some of the startup folks and people in this space I spoke to said, how is that more or less natural than, you know, cremation that's been so widely accepted that's, you know, literally incinerating a body? That's obviously not a natural process. And I'm sure when it first emerged as an alternative to burial, people thought it was a bit strange. Um, so for a lot of people who are advocates of this um, type of after-death care, it seems like the more natural alternative to things like cremation. Kerry, one of the people you have spoken about in your writing, fascinating figure, Katrina Spade, who have essentially been looking into composting mm. for nearly a decade now, kind of regarded as someone on the forefront of this. Yeah, because Katrina Spade is widely regarded in the space as the person to kind of first bring this technology to um, the market. And um, I think she first got involved with it kind of as a graduate student doing a research project on 
um, composting as a means of after-death care. Um, she first heard of it with, um, actually, it was quite popular with farmers to compost, you know, the bodies of cows and other animals. It was just kind of a, a commonly used method. And she thought, why can't we use that for humans? It seems more natural. Um, also kind of an answer to a lot of the ecological concerns we have about death and burial and cremation especially so i think that kind of sparked her research and and yes she's widely recognized as the person who got this all started kerry paul thanks so much for your time we appreciate it thank you reporter at the guardian based in san francisco now legal in six states new york Mm. to be the most recent and when i guess you see it as a disruptor nick right in new york and or in the states yeah, I've you pulled a face then, and I pulled I, I, a face too. I can't too. help it. I'm sorry, I don't like that term. I mean, I don't see it as disrupting, and maybe it's just my personal view, but I see it, as I said earlier, almost a return to the way we used to consider death and burial. And when we're thinking about the environmental impacts, if you think about burials mm. and the use of you know fossil fuels when it comes to cremation with burials, if you think about land space, we are running out of space in Victoria to bury the dead. That is a fact. You know, we are now, there are some cemeteries that are even considering that you have to rent your burial space for a short period of time and then you've got to get out. You do. And, and look, we are running out of that space and we, are, we have, a, I guess, a, a culture of um, permanent burial. So, you know, we, we see mausoleums still around Australia, big burial kind of facilities. We don't have the space that we always did and I think it is time that we saw a bit of a shift in it and that green space, that environmental burial, that organic burial or composting, I think you talk to people and they're hearing more about it and they've got more curiosity about it. I've told my kids I want to be composted if possible, even turned into blood and bone and fertiliser, says Yvonne. And another saying, what a great idea. I'm 75 and I've started to think about this. How do we do this, says Suzanne. And another saying, I'm a fan of human composting. So are you starting to think about a green funeral, a green burial? And would you go as far as considering human composting? On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Michelle Hunt with you and Melbourne Nikhili joining you from ABC Shepparton. We're talking green funerals and we're talking human composting. Is this something that you would do? Is this something that you would consider? Nick, a great question here, which I'm not sure. We can put it to one of our guests a little later saying natural burials or human composting. Can you please ask what happens to all the devices that folks often have in their bodies? So maybe titanium plates in your knees or your shoulders, pacemakers, electronic nerve stimulation devices, uh, even, you know, lenses in your eyes what would happen to all of these things that's a really good question it is a good question i know particularly around pacemakers and things like that of course there are chemicals in that that can leach into the soil and damage it we're talking about lithium batteries and the like there's a same as in terms of uh, cremation you've got to be very very careful with those devices uh, i know one of our guests later on swampy marsh has actually looked a little bit at what would be required for composting when it does come to those um i guess plates uh titanium bones and um uh, pacemakers mm. Sarah's in Reservoir. Hi, Sarah. Hello. What do you think of the idea of human composting? I think it's a great idea. I would be so happy to be returned to the earth upon my death and I have no qualms about becoming worm food. Sarah, is it something you could talk to family about? I mean, one of the things that I think catches us up so many times when we talk about what we want for burial is that it's a difficult conversation to have with family. Is this something you feel like you could openly discuss? Oh, look, I totally hear that it can be a difficult conversation for people to have, but um, I care deeply about the climate. 
it is, I think as Sarah was saying, it is a difficult conversation, but we are having more and more conversations mm. around our impact, you know, our footprint on the environment. As we said, this is our, our final footprint. Ron's in Benella. Hi, Ron. Yeah, good day. How are you? Good. What do you think? Look, I, uh, I think it's an unfortunate term to use. I don't know what else you could use, but conjures, uh, composting conjures up um, thoughts of what you might stick on your veggie patch, and that doesn't really appeal to me. But uh, I'm uh, personally, I'm going to be cremated, and they're going to chuck me out to sea, hopefully, so that'll solve the problem with land space. Um, and the other thing is, uh, personally, I had my parents both um, ashes cremated and ashes sent out to sea, and I figured it didn't matter where I was, that they'd be around. So, yeah, that's what'll happen to me. But I think there's another term that's being used in America at the moment called organic burial. Does that sound a little more? Yeah, that, that's a lot better. That's better? Uh, All right. certainly, <laughs> certainly something that you'd not stick on your veggie patch, anyhow. <laughs> well, speaking of which, Ron, Nick, you've got something sitting on your desk, don't I, you? I do, actually. I've got some not human compost, but I've Thank got God composting. For that. Um, from Swampy Marsh's outfit in Nathalia, not far from me, uh, that is a pig carcass he's put through. So I went and saw it um, uh, end of last year, saw sort of what was happening in terms of that composting process, and here is actually the bag of the compost. And I've got to say, it just smells like compost. And, Ron, it's interesting you say you wouldn't want it on the tomatoes. For many people, that's kind of the appeal, is being able to actually take a family member and have them in the backyard return to the earth. Much as the way we would scatter ashes, you scatter the compost. And I can see the appeal of that. Um, many people would want to take that compost home. Many people would not. And I, I get that. You know, we're all going to grieve and, um, you know, acknowledge the death of a loved one in our own ways. But I think for some people... Being able to say this tree, this plant, this is growing because of someone whom I loved very much and, and what they've given back to that soil, I think that'd be beautiful. It'd be beautiful to me. Judy's in Golden Valley. Hi, Judy. Hi, um, Rochelle. Look, it sounds like a good idea, but how does composting humans free up land space? It's going to take so many years for the human body to get down to the compost stage we're still going to be planting people in ever-decreasing land area. So, Judy, you actually, um, when you're composting a body, you're putting it into a composting tub to a large degree. It could look like a wooden box. It could look like a metal box. You're not burying them the ground to do it. You're letting that composting process happen kind of like the composting bins that we have in our backyards. <laughs> to a large I'm sorry, but it's I think genuinely the same, we need genuinely term, the same process. Want- I want to know where you're going to put these compost bins because I certainly don't want any of my family in a compost bin in the backyard. <laughs> oh, and I understand that this won't be for everybody. There will be spaces where it happens. Yeah, but I guess almost the point like is- funeral homes, um, Judy, that you would go and you'd be composted in a an official space, I think, is the, is the idea and what's being done in the States. How do you feel about that? Well, that's okay, but they're still using space. It still has to be in a sort of a cemetery environment, land that is exclusively for the use of 
compulsive. Yeah. But, but Judy, then you're not burying that person afterwards. So that's where the space is freed up. They're not then in a burial plot. They don't have a headstone that's taking up space. We're talking about sort of not unlike, I, I guess, a crematorium, a reusable space mm. where bodies are processed through. Um, and so and that's how it's actually reducing the, the land that's used. But it's a good question, and we'll put it to one of our guests in just a tick as to whether or not it's becoming a, an issue in the States. Carly's in Morty Alec. Good morning. Hi, how are you going? Well, what did you want to say? Um, look, I've been a funeral director for almost 12 years, and we have a very strong focus in the area of green funerals, natural burials. And I would say that, you know, there is probably less than 20% of our clients opt for something green or something natural. And it's just not as, it's, it's becoming popular, but it's not as popular as what you might think. Um, and a lot of people are scared, like if they have a beautiful wicker casket on show in the, you know, in the church or somewhere, they go, oh, I hope it doesn't freak too many people out. Or if they have a cardboard coffin, oh, I don't want, what will people think of me if I'm, you know, there's still a little bit of a fear factor about it, about how will people perceive their choice. Um, so I think the composting idea is, is fabulous and, you know, I would welcome the introduction of that into, uh, into Australia. But we've been, we promote natural, um, natural ways of looking after the deceased and more environmentally friendly techniques in saying farewell but it's a slow slow uh, take up of that sort of idea. But Carly you are seeing some sort of change a little bit of take up, you are seeing I guess a, a change in that conversation? Absolutely, so I would say, I mean we're a small funeral home, we do about 300 funerals a year it would be 20% of what we do and when people are really up for it they are up for it in all the different ways natural death, no chemicals, all that sort of thing. Carly, thank you. I was really surprised actually you know over the last few days just researching today's program and putting natural burial you know in Victoria into a Google search and the amount of suburban funeral homes that now offer this. Dr Hannah Gould is the president of the Australian Death Studies Society and she's a part of the University of Melbourne's Death Tech Team which researches all sorts of impacts of technology, death and grieving. Hannah you've looked a lot into the idea of human composting I mean, I guess first things first, did Ron earlier have a really good point of saying, maybe we just need to rename. <laughs> it would feel a little less confronting if we called it organic burial. Yeah, hi, thanks for having me. It, look, it certainly does have a, an image problem. Perhaps it needs a, a bit of a marketing campaign. I think for those kind of greenies who are really into it, I think composting does really appeal. The idea of being spread on a veggie patch or being turned into worms. You know, for the segment of the population that is committed to that during their lives, I think they're quite happy to be compost and would embrace it. Um, but there is obviously a segment of people perhaps who might want a little bit more of a romantic or euphemized uh, language around that. So things like natural burial, a green death, natural organic reduction, they have been used to kind of, I suppose, market that process as well. And is that marketing working, Hannah? I mean, are we seeing, uh, I guess, a shift in people's attitudes around this? Yeah, I think we are. I mean, some of the line between kind of marketing and greenwashing <laughs> of often quite ah. um, you know, worrying. So, you know, 
you might say, oh, it's a green death or it's a natural burial, but the actual extent to which, you know, you have an, a reduction on the carbon output of those technologies can sometimes be quite hard to discern. Um, that being said, there is a really remarkable change, particularly in what we might call the kind of secular baby boomers who perhaps organised their own parents' funeral at the church and themselves are no longer religious, don't really feel connected to that tradition, but maybe they feel really connected to environmentalism, um, concerned about climate change. And they kind of see that not only as a, a way to reduce their carbon footprint, but also kind of a really meaningful, almost spiritual practice, you know, to return to the earth, to become a tree. So many texts and calls on this. We'll try and get through as many of them as we can. Dr Hannah Gould is with you. This is from Michael in Sunbury. I just can't help but picture the high-rise full of composting bins, a little bit like a morgue, I guess. I think there'd be a better use of space, but it's definitely something, but it's a little bit creepy too, says Michael. And we had a caller earlier, Hannah, that was saying, well, how does this save space? Yes, you're not being physically buried, but you still need large, relatively large human composting centres. <laughs> I'm sure there's a better way to phrase that than what I just called them. But no, I mean, look, we can say plainly about this. Yeah, you need, look, you need a shed somewhere. You need a facility um, that has spaces for processing. Look, and that can be quite on a small scale, you know, or it can be, you know, multiple different bays that can process at the same time. The thing about this is it's not permanent space. So the real problem that we have in Australia is this idea of perpetual internment, right? So that you mm. put somebody in the ground and that grave, that bill of real estate belongs to them forever, right? You can never change, touch that grave. And it's caused a massive problem with space um, for cemeteries. In this way, not only can you, you know, have this centre that people come into and their bodies are processed, but also you can then do something with that product, right, that soil. Either it goes home to the families who might want to use it on their personal gardens, or what's happened in the US very um, successfully is they've actually donated that soil to their national parks, right, and to areas that really need help with reforestation products. So you can actually, you know, assist, I suppose, in the greening of national mm. parks through this process. Hannah, we're talking about the mechanics of it and how it might work. Does this not also require us to, I think, change up the way we consider the mechanics of grieving? I mean, so much of our grief process is tied to permanent burial. I'm thinking of going and visiting gravestones, flowers on the grave. This necessitates a change in that as well, doesn't it? Yeah, so it, it offers some kind of new possibilities for where we might go to visit. So it might be, for example, that you now go and hike in that national park, mm. right, as a way of remembrance. Maybe you go and have a picnic, you know, in that national park or that green space to remember your family. The other thing it does is it also changes the timeline, the temporality of grief. So composting doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in an hour or two like cremation does. So there's, you know, there's a laying in ceremony. You, you put the body into the composting facility, but then it takes, you know, a couple of months, you know, 12 weeks or however long it is, depending on the facility, for that to happen before you get the soil back. So in a way, it kind of creates this other ritual opportunity, which is when you receive back the soil and perhaps another moment for us to come together as a community, which I think some people might like because, you know, mm. you can't often have the funeral and then it all finishes and you don't hear from your family and friends after that but, you know with this you get another opportunity mm. to come together just finally hannah and this might be a better question for gardening australia i'm not sure <laughs> but <laughs> do, do we make good compost as humans <laughs> like nick before you were talking about our oh, and look at this lovely tree that has grown 
what if the tree dies? What if the tomatoes don't grow? Like, do are we good compost as humans? <laughs> this is a great question. I often, I often always think of Peter Cundall, who really, you know, he actually yes. said, "I want to be compost." Right? That was his wish. <laughs> so, I mean, the advantage of human composting, as opposed to, I suppose, other kind of technologies or kind of green technologies, is this actually does produce. Um, it's kind of a hummus, so it's a, it's a soil adamant. It's that kind of stuff that you actually get from your compost bin. It doesn't compose all of soil, but soil needs it for nutrients, right? It's the decomposing matter that soil needs. So this process actually creates something that will be fertile and useful for plants and trees and that sort of thing. A lot of other technologies or kind of green washing death technologies kind of say, oh, we'll plant a tree on top of you and you'll be fine. And I, I hate to break it to people as a researcher when I say to them, you know, you probably, if you put a body under a sapling, unfortunately the sapling probably will die. Yeah, and that's not what we want because so, that's not going to help, is it? That is not no, going to help at all. it's not great for the grief process if the uh, memorial tree dies. So <laughs> this process actually, it, it kind of um, helps the body kind of transform, transition quickly to that process where it can become bioavailable material. Um, and so I suppose it lessens the uh, impact of this idea that, that tree or that memorial will die. Yeah, I thought your point about greenwashing was fascinating as well. Dr Hannah Gould, thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you for having me. Hannah's the president of the Australian Death Studies Society, also part of the University of Melbourne's Death Tech team. Uh, Cathy from Northcutt. Cathy, how are you? I'm good, thank you. This is really interesting. I've requested that my body be donated to science when I die, but it depends on the circumstances of your death, whether that's possible or not. Mm. But I'm hoping that my organs can at least be used, the ones that aren't, you know, too decrepit. Um, and I'm wondering what happens to all the leftover bits when they're finished with their experiments and analysis and everything like that. That has to go somewhere. Well, that would be really good if it... I don't know what the universities do with them, but... Um, <laughs> Maybe they could turn you into compost. Well, that's right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to use it, am I? I'm gone. <laughs> I think this is the thing. I've never considered that. What do... What they do they do? with the bits of your body they don't use if you've donated to science. Composting could be great for that. What do you do with the leftover bits? You turn it into compost. Oh, the conversations I have with you, Nick Healy. I love them. James in North Carlton. Hello. Oh, hello. Uh, yes, well, um, I just want to add to the discussion about composting. Um, I have um, got a funeral plan with a funeral director in Woodend and I am going to have a natural burial. I have a plot at the Carlsruhe Cemetery outside Woodend um, where you can be buried with no chemicals and just in a biodegradable shroud. You don't have to have anything else. So you're doing minimal damage to the environment. And um, this cemetery has just been closed last year by the Department of Planning and Environment because uh, they, they say that the environment is not being well enough looked after there. And I just find that um, very short-sighted and depressing. Um, so it's important to you to have. It's important to you, Jane, to have a, a as natural as possible burial. Absolutely, I don't want to pollute. As as I'm very environmental grandmother, and I don't want the last thing that I do to the world to be either pollute through cremation or through chemicals and cutting down rainforests for. Coffins, even cardboard coffins, maybe rain from rainforests. I want to make a minimum impact on death, and I just want people to know it is actually currently happening. You can do it, and I have no 
I am very frustrated with the Department of Environment and Planning. Mm. Who have, we might follow uh, that up. With you, um, well, uh, follow that up, Jane. Thank you. Yeah, because, I mean, Jane, the, thank natural you. burials are happening more and, and more, and I guess they do have to be tended to and, and, and looked after differently. They do. Rochelle, I'm also noticing lots of people texting in asking what happens with bones when we're composting. We'll actually be speaking to Swampy Marsh. He's from Nathalia, not far from where I am. He has been playing around with human composting out his way, experimenting on how it works. Not with uh, humans, using, though. Not with humans, I should say, using pig carcasses, but he'll be able to give us a bit of an insight on that. Uh, Nick's on the line from Coburg. Nick, how are you, mate? Hello. Yes, Good day. Uh, I just wanted to share, interestingly, the last caller, we buried my dad in the Carlsruhe Cemetery and, uh, you know, the burial was a very shallow uh, grave, you know, I think it was only 600 millimetres deep mm. and we told that the microorganisms are in that top layer of soil. Uh, you know, mum and dad never took us to their parents' grave sites, so whether we're going to do any kind of marker on the grave, or, and yet we've planted it all out, so it'll the plants we've planted will take up all the nutrients. And we actually, uh, you know, Dad was buried just in a cotton um, fabric, mm. you know, so we actually put him in the grave ourselves and we actually wow. buried him ourselves. So that whole grieving kind of journey... Um, was really special, and yeah, and I don't know. I, I I'm not sure whether we'll do the gravestone or not. Whether yeah, lots of people Nick aren't aren't doing gravestones that they they might put down a, a a beautiful rock or as you and your family did, they're planting it out and doing something different, and that's happening in quite a formal setting, Nick. You know, within funeral homes, they're talking and working out a plan for you where more and more people are choosing not to have those big headstones and doing something as close to nature as possible. So are you thinking about a, a green burial? Would you ever consider being turned into compost? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Michelle Hunt with you in Melbourne. Nick Healy joining you from ABC Shepparton. We're talking green funerals and the rise in environmentally friendly burials. And could it be any more green than human composting, or should we start to call it organic? I'm burials. comfortable with human composting. At least I think you we get need to what become we're talking about. comfortable. It's not euphemistic. Yeah. I mean, I think the difficulty we have so many times with conversations around death is that we want to have euphemisms around it as opposed to having an open conversation. I think, though, what people feel uncomfortable with is that we have the image of the big green or black compost bin, right? So that's <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> kind of romantic or natural about that maybe that's what some that's where your brain goes but if you think about you know, what you're scattering like the actual product of compost mulch that's mulch. what you get at the end of it human mulching that's and worse look, <laughs> there is someone we should talk to who has been playing around with this actually on his property in nathalia swampy marsh uh, a natural burial and human composting advocate swampy how are you mate good morning how's everyone today we are very good. Now, I've actually... Yeah, you trooped... sounded pretty cheeky. <laughs> I have trooped out to where you are working on what human composting will look like. I've seen some of the, the tubs you've got set up, the, the wooden caskets where you are playing around with pig carcasses, seeing how the composting process is working. That's been ongoing for a little while with you. I did want to get to the bottom of one thing people have been asking on the text line. What happens to the bones, Swampy? Well, 
if you get the temperature right, the bones actually break down quite well. Um, you've got to try and get the compost to operate in a area of 50 to 70 degrees C. And if that works, a lot of the bones break down. Now, I've got a secret way of doing the final breakdown of the bones using water um, and they just turn to powder and they get incorporated because the compost in the cask is is rotated like you do with your compost bin in the garden um, it all gets mixed together and you've seen the result Nick mm. we, we unscrewed the lid and you stuck your head in and you said wow it smells like mushrooms and just to clarify here we're talking about pig carcasses not humans <laughs> I will continue to repeat that line Swampy it's not legal in Victoria yet human composting is legal in six states in America however discussions are being had at one of the new one of our largest cemeteries that are about to be built here just outside of Melbourne in west, the western part of Melbourne. Do you ever think that it will become legal here? Well, my research with funeral directors right across the state is that it is already legal because it is only a very slight variation on the process of cremation. Instead of burning 800 litres of gas and and shooting that up into the air or burning uh, heating oil to operate the um, the crematorium um, all we're doing is taking the body and uh, putting it into a cask full of straw and leaving it and letting the bacteria do the work and how long are you leaving it for, Swampy? How long's the process taking the way you're running it at the moment? About three months. So now, it is an extensive period, but, I mean, that's not, you know, some people were worried it might be years in the processing. No, so no, three no. three months. It, yeah. Three months. It, see, that pig that you saw was processed in an abattoir. So it had no skin bacteria, it had no gut bacteria, and... If you compost a body with unwashed skin and the gut bacteria, it works even quicker. Of so course, because the floor is at, there. Yeah, yeah, we're looking at six to eight weeks. Now, there is no time limit on how long a crem cremation can take and when the, the family get the ashes back. And if people knew what happens to the ashes before they get them back, they might be a little bit horrified. But this is a completely natural process. Everything we use is recycled or repurposed or reused. It's that green. It's unbelievable. The only new thing we use to make the casks is some screws to put the lid on and a plastic liner. Now, the plastic liner, we use them on our chook sheds. Exposed to the environment, the plastic liner is, is going to last 20 years. In a cask where it's not getting UV light on it, I anticipate it'll last 30 to 40 mm. years. So and we will compost in that constantly for that period of time. 
What I want to know is you've been talking to a few people about this, you know, not only around your shire but far and wide. Are you hearing interest from people? Are people saying, yes, this is what I'm looking for uh, for my end of life? I'm getting people from the city saying they don't want to know about cemeteries or cremation. I'm getting country people saying it would be fabulous to do the composting and then spread the compost on the farm. I would be on the farm forever. Yeah, yeah, lots of people are saying you know, the same things. I'll be on the veggie patch forever. Swampy. Yeah, exactly. It's been, it's been wonderful to speak to you. I know Nick Healy's been out there and, and spent some time out on your farm, but thanks for explaining a little bit about what you do and for speaking to us today in the conversation hour. My pleasure. Swamp, All the best. See you, mate. Swampy Marsh there is a natural burials advocate. And Nick, as Swampy said, you've been out. You're literally holding a bag of the compost process that Swampy of was just that talking particular about. pig we're talking about. I've just opened the Ziploc bag. I'm having a whiff and it just smells like mulch. It just smells it looks like, like good, straw. healthy mulch. It looks like straw, doesn't it's it? It's amazing. It's amazing to me. Can I just say, Swampy Marsh, best name ever. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. We're talking human composting. My name's Rochelle Hunt. I'm in Melbourne. Your co-host today, Nick Healy, is joining you from Shepparton. Rowan's in Lake Tyres. Good morning. How are you going? Good, mate. What do you want to say? Um, my cousin a few months ago died and the, the children had a cremated and I just went along to the service not knowing anything and I rocked up there. This is a... Yeah, I can't think of them. Pearsdale out there, there's a memorial place out there. And what they do is they get the ashes and they blend it with some type of soil compounds to mix with the ashes. I think straight ash is no good for planting trees on, so they make this brew and mm-hmm. we went out to the out to the site where the, the site was prepared with an established tree and the son and daughter um, tossed the, this mix in the ground and it, they planned a tree. We had a service for her and the tree's there until you know, forever. It's a memorial, so it's a memorial park. And this is what they do. They, I've never never heard about it until you know, a few months ago. But yeah, they blend the, the ashes with a, a soil component to make it um, organic enough to plant under trees. Right. It's, it's, what did you think? Really I nice. Mean, I was going to say it does sound lovely to me. But what did you think? I mean, how was the ceremony for you? Oh, it's great. No. From ashes to ashes, dust to dust, kind of thing. But just it's recycling. Yeah, just recycling. The she wanted to be recycled that way, so yeah. it's so nice. You no, know? I actually think it would help with the grieving process. I really do because there's something, like you said, it's a return. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. You know, yeah, it's the, organic. Yeah, it does. Mm. It does feel more natural. Thanks so oh, much for your call, yeah. Rowan. Good on you. Leah Kaminsky is a Melbourne GP and she's the author of We Are All Going to Die. Very straightforward title, just like human composting. <laughs> Leah, there's no use mincing our words here. You would have thought about human composting? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> look, I'm just so thrilled that we're having this conversation and sort of throwing off the shackles of collective censorship around dying over the past 100 years. I think it's really important and it can also be joyful in a way. It doesn't have to be morbid. I, I started thinking about human composting or, you know, organic burial um, thanks to one of my patients, Elizabeth, who was a nurse at the time in her late 50s. Um, and she came in with her advanced care plan to talk about what she wanted in her dying and, and her death. 
And she said, I want to be transformed into a tree. And I said, oh. And she said, yeah, I want to have huge branches for my grandchildren to swing off. And she, she showed me a piece of paper she'd cut out from a magazine about Capsula Mundi, which is an organic burial pod that does away with all the, you know, the, the trappings of the tombstones and the coffins. And it's basically, you're put back into, it's an, they're Italian designers and you're put back into a fetal position that you came from inside a organic capsule, 100% degradable. And then you get the tree of your choice planted on top of you. And then, you know, the, the theory being that there will be memorial forests instead of cemeteries. And I, I just, that just blew me away. I thought that was incredible. It, um, it is a beautiful, know. oh, it is a beautiful sounding way to go, Leah, and also fantastic timing to talk about advanced care because uh, it is advanced care week, I believe. Yep, yep. <laughs> and I mean, you just mentioned there are memorial forests, and we've had quite a few people texting in about that. So, Leah, stay with us because Warren Roberts is actually the founder of Living Legacy, which is all about doing exactly what Leah just spoke about. Warren, it's finding a way to take people's ashes converting them somehow to ensure that they can go into a tree and live on for hundreds of years. That's right. Yep, that's that's exactly what we do. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Um, so Living Legacy, we were created almost 10 years ago now um, and we we realised that there was a problem with cremated ashes where you know people would scatter the ashes and, and trees would die or get sick. And so we spent four years developing a process that transforms the ashes into living nutrients that help trees grow so that the ashes can become the tree and the tree's thousands of seeds and seedlings. And that way people's lives can be perpetuated through the circle of life of that tree. And um, so we, we spent four years developing the science to do that. We killed hundreds of trees in the process, which was devastating. But eventually it worked and the leading government cemetery trusts around Australia adopted the process and, uh, and now we're working with various partners around Australia to create these beautiful memorial forests. In Perth we've got a, a 40 hectare forest that creates, um, uses native trees to create a forest for the endangered mainland quokka and we've brought an endangered species back into existence. And in Melbourne we've got a beautiful um, botanic memorial forest called Mornington Green um, that creates 7,000 trees in a master-planned estate. Um, and, yeah, so basically we're transforming an entire golf course into a botanic memorial forest. Wow. Every fairway is a different theme for, of a forest. So you could imagine walking through, you know, 500 flowering gums all red at the same time and then walking through a wattle grove and just experiencing the, these immense beauty of of nature and your life gets to connect people to the beauty of being alive through your tree. Warren, what inspired you to start this work? Um, uh, it was a f when my best friend who I went to, I did university where she died and I was in my early 20s and I dealt with grief by cutting away all my feelings and not feeling anything. And, um, and so... I, I stayed in this numb state where I didn't feel anything for seven years. And one day I went for a walk in the Botanic Gardens and every time I looked at a flower, I, it, it felt good looking at thing again. And so I, I spent 10,000 hours that year in nature looking at feeling alive again. And eventually I let myself feel the grief that I was avoiding and it felt good because I wasn't numb anymore. 
and I've been avoiding feeling. And it was so beautiful to feel again because my friend's life had given me this gift of allowing myself to feel life fully, all of the depth. It was like it was like the keyboards on my piano had come. <laughs> it was like I was playing life with one note on a piano, and all of a sudden I had the dark notes, and the whole piano of it came back through wow. back to me. And, I got to and that's the, the thing people have been talking alive. about too, isn't it? Is grief and being able to to deal with that and how we deal with that. And so many people, Nikili, have been talking about trees as a way to do that. So that's exactly what Warren's created. Warren Robert, a founder of Living Legacy, thanks so much. And Leah Kaminsky, obviously author of We're All Gonna Die, again, wonderful name, wonderful (laughs) name for a book. It, It is intriguing how many people are coming forward and saying that they can see this system, whether it be an organic burial or, or, or actual human composting, could change the way they perceive grief. And I, I think that's something I really uh, am finding fascinating at the moment. I think that, you know, everything that we're talking about, what I'm excited about, you know, we've always draped the Grim Reaper in the darkest of colours. You know, he's, he's creeping around in black, buried out of sight, and we're all scared of him. And, you know, I've had that many conversations with patients over the years about death and dying that are actually really uplifting and people are really keen to have. So I think if death's having its moment in the sun again and we can drape the green reaper in green, well, maybe that's a way in to accepting that it is a natural part of life and that in the face of death, how do we want to live a more enriched life? How do we not get caught up with the trivialities and, and really sort of do what we want to do? Because it's very interesting, the old systems of, of burial, the, the making sure that the body looked like a body for as long as possible, the you know, embalming process, the, the giant mausoleums, they were very much spitting in the face of death. They're saying, you have no dominion here. You know, we reject your process on us. Absolutely, it's sterilising death. And if you go back yeah. to the basics and the, you know, the, the Muslim, Islam, Judaism and, and early Christianity, um, you know, bodies are being buried in organic shrouds with no coffins in in the dirt. Like, it's still a very simple, you know, the bodies are washed and it's a very simple process. And I wonder how much of this conversation will change because at some point we are just running out of space, okay? We are running out of burial space. So whether or not this will be a conversation that's taken away from us a little bit into the future. And Tex is saying we hardly have enough open green space for the living. The idea of vast open green spaces for the dead, no way, says D. And I also love conversations that are starting to happen around cemeteries and how we use cemeteries and lots and lots of cemeteries now are trying to make them a more open and inclusive space so you don't go there just to go sit and mourn and grieve mm. at one gravestone and then leave and have them be depressing there's green space there's there's park benches there's places to sit and be and enjoy that space do you think just finally Leah that at some point you know, we're not going to have the luxury of this conversation because we're already asking people to rent burial space as it is because we don't have enough room. Well, when you think about it over the space of, you know, time, 100 billion souls have, have died. And I think that that's a really important concept. I, I'm, you know, I found, I, I don't go and visit my parents' graves. I find it sterile and creepy but if I could have taken my children to somewhere where there was a park and we could sit on a bench and you know look at my dad's you know tree growing or whatever Mm. and 
I think that would be a much more kind of integral experience and, and the dead embodied in a tree or in green would be part of our lives rather than I mean, sort of sterilised and off stage. It's another thing that comes up occasionally, Leah, is that we don't tend to spend our lives in the same place anymore. So, you know, my my mum's buried in a completely different state to where I live now. There is no way to go down and just see her grave the way I might have been able to do. I, I know I personally would find comfort thinking of someone having just become part of nature again, even if I wasn't out to where their composted remains had been scattered. Absolutely. And I think it helps us with the grieving process too. Mm. I mean, especially during the pandemic, you know, a lot of us couldn't go to funerals. We'd have to do things on Zoom. Um, Mm. So a lot of the grieving is taking place internally anyway. So if you can kind of incorporate it into your life rather than have it as a separate thing, I think that's... that's, Well, lots of people are really open to this. Absolutely. Leah Kaminsky, thanks so much for your time. Melbourne GP and author of We Are All Going to Die. This text, Rochelle and Nick, thank you for discussing human composting today. I'm interested in this because I would like the compost of my remains to be used in parks and gardens to do something for the environment. Is it legal in Australia yet? No, it's not. But discussions are being had and with relatively large cemeteries. If we can be really quick, let's squeeze in Jenny in Wonthaggy. Good morning, Jenny. Oh, good morning. Oh, look, I'm just so amazed at this conversation. Uh, I have so many people say, oh, I just want to be buried in a cardboard box. But it's they don't want to go through all the, um, all the formalities. And oh, so you're a funeral director, Jenny? Yes, yes. And... Oh. Um, Look, I am so interested where I can access all this information. I only switched on in the middle of the conversation on the radio and thought, oh, my God, uh, this is just so pertinent to um, so many people's uh, beliefs, their grief, everything. And I just wonder if... Where can I bring all this information together to start um, promoting? Well, at the moment, it is hard to find all of that information together. And Jenny, I think that's what we're hoping to see a little bit more of is Mm. as this becomes a little more current and people want to talk about it. I mean, Rochelle, we will see, I guess, people getting a collected works together, making more yep. research around this, making it more easily accessible. I guess the first place, Jenna, you could go is look to the United States, just being made legal in six states there, New York, the latest. There's lots of information about what they're doing. But as we said, discussions, is, I don't know whether discussions are happening, but conversations are at least rising to the surface at some of our bigger cemeteries here in Melbourne at the moment. Nick Healy... Mate, the conversations we have, I absolutely love them. And the response today has been one of interest. It's felt Mm. more environmentally friendly than around death, so to speak. It hasn't been as grotesque as what we thought it may sound. It can be confronting, but I feel like it's just been such an interesting and enlightening topic so much positivity from people calling in and texting and a lot of questions too and and many, many answers yet to come. But I feel like people are genuinely seeing the benefit of this. Nikhili, if people want to go and listen to more of Swampy Marsh, the the advocate for composting, you went out, you visited his farm in Nathalia. That's on the ABC's website. Just 
put in human composting ABC into your search engine. Have a wonderful weekend. Speak to you Monday.